Welcome to the New Money Habits Podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa. Welcome back, Budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here. And as always, I am joined by Sarah Jones from Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. And today we want to talk to you about taxes. It's your money, right? (laughs) Taxes. Taxes. It's your money. I want to start off by saying it's your money. So we want to talk to you about taxes. We're going to talk a little bit about different tax strategies for reducing your taxable income. We're going to talk about what to do with tax refunds when you get them. But it's important to know that Sarah and I are not tax professionals. We're not lawyers. We're not accountants. So we are not giving you tax advice. We are just simply sharing ideas that you should go explore with a tax professional, with your accountant, or with some other financial professional uh, with a bunch of licenses and a bunch of letters behind their name. That's all it is. (laughs) We're sharing ideas. Uh, We're sharing ideas that we've uh, talked about with clients of ours uh, and and things that we've done ourselves. Um, But again, I... I'm not going to leave here today telling you what you should do other than you should go and investigate these, um, these ideas and these opportunities. And we'll tell you how to do that much so that you can go and make an informed, educated decision on your own. So let's start with a little bit of, um, a vocab lesson and hang in there with me. I know like what <laughs> I didn't come here. Jeez, for you know, we're, we're talking about money but, and now you're bringing in vocabulary. I mean, this is, we don't want to bore everybody here. <laughs> I, I know this is riveting information. No, but seriously, you're so words matter, right? They do. And I just want to remind everybody that you, you, and I want to remind our listeners, you, you, um, file a tax return and you get a refund if, you, if you're lucky enough to get a refund, right? If you don't owe, you get a refund. And I want you to like, just hang on that word for a moment. Refund. Your money being returned to you is a refund. This was your money to begin with. You, the, the IRS uh, and, and the local state governments got their hands on your money. And by the end of the year, they owed it back to you as a refund, which means you there were other things you could have been doing with your money other than having the IRS hold it for you. But we'll kind of get into those details in a little bit. But I just want you to remember, it's your money. So I wanted to start this episode by addressing some tax ideas, ideas for reducing uh tax liability for our small business owners mm. or entrepreneurs and our like those who are self-employed or sole proprietors which now includes everyone who has a side hustle doing ride share or food delivery services you are all self-employed you are 1099 contractors mm-hmm. so this information does apply to you as well and i and it's big it's really big so I hope you're all buckled in, ready for what's about to come. I love it. Because we're going to help you save thousands, Mm -hmm. if not tens of thousands of dollars in uh, taxable income. Mm -hmm. So I know you're all dying to hear, okay, you got my attention. I'm saving tens of thousands of dollars. (laughs) How are we going to do that? All right. So... Um, if you're, if you're driving, you're going to have to take a mental note, but if you're kind of listening and you got pen and paper, you want to write down these three letters. Those letters are S S is in Sam E E is in Edward P P is in Paul S E P a SEP IRA for our small business owners, for those who are sole proprietors who are 1099 contractors, this is going to be your best friend. You're going to want to go out and research what is a SEP IRA. Well, first of all, the the letters stand for um, a simple employee pension plan. And what this allows you to do, I'm going to start with sole proprietors. So single person in a business, 
you're you're running an Etsy shop or you're you're um, you're uh, doing that arbitrage stuff on Amazon where you're buying stuff and then you're selling it, but you're doing that by yourself. When you're a, a an individual with your own business, you can put twenty five percent of your revenue into this SEP IRA up to in the year 2022 as much as $61,000. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. That's a lot of money, Nino. It's a lot of money. And especially especially when you think about it in terms of other IRAs. When you think about mm-hmm. a traditional IRA that you might be contributing to, you have limits like $6,000 last year, right? So $6,000 limit versus a $61,000 limit, mm-hmm. it's, it's huge. Now, there are some very important details that I'm going to get into in just a moment, but yeah, those are some big numbers, right, Sarah? Oh, man. And, you know, and this is really important because, you know, Nino, I'm sure you've run into this. I certainly have, especially being a business owner. Sometimes, dare I say, some other things might we forget about our retirement contributions because being a business owner, you know, sometimes there are other things, you know, expenses and and paying ourselves and, you know, taxes, you know, paying those taxes. Right. Um, Sometimes those become a priority. and. I'll be honest, my own retirement accounts have kind of maybe fallen down a little bit on the the priority list with my business account, but, you know, up to $61,000, that, that can really help business owners get more, you know, caught up, right? If, if they've had to take several years where they Mm -hmm. haven't been able to contribute, that's a significant amount of money and allows be able to allow you to, to feel like you're catching up or contributing where maybe you haven't been able to the past couple of years. So, I mean, those, yeah. I, I can't even believe those limits, honestly. I, I, that's pretty incredible. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, what a great way for somebody who is self-employed, uh, you know, a, a sole proprietor to catch up on some missed uh, retirement contributions. Now, I do want to clarify, it is up to $61,000, but there's a, there's a couple of parameters mm-hmm. here that are very important, and I want everybody to know. So, um, first of all, it's 25% of your business's revenue, or, or said another way, whatever you're going to be paying yourself. Okay, so your business, may, and I'm going to keep the numbers simple, but the numbers just get bigger and bigger the, the higher you go. But let's say your business made $100,000. And maybe it had $10,000 in in overhead expenses. So really, the revenues were $90,000. Well, you can put 25% of $90,000 into this SEP IRA. All right. So it's 25% of either the revenue that your business made or or your the, the amount of money you're paying yourself. And what I mean by that is let's take the same example and kind of apply it to a small business owner who maybe has, you know, let's say even just as few as five employees. So there's the business owner plus five employees. It's 25% of what you're paying yourself. And because it's a SEP IRA, it's a pension plan. Whatever you contribute to yourself percentage wise, you must do the same percentage for your employees. So let's, Go back to you pay yourself a hundred thousand dollars, you're able to put twenty five thousand dollars away for yourself, but you also must make twenty five percent contributions to your five employees uh, based off of their annual salary. So if their annual salary was fifty thousand dollars, you would be contributing twelve thousand five hundred dollars into each one of their accounts as well. So those are the two those are two very big um ooh, I'm losing my word there. Uh, parameters, the, things not, to remember. Yes. Right. Those parameters. Thank <laughs> you. So 25%, but then you, ha- so 25% of whatever you're paying yourself or your revenue, but then also 
if you have more than just yourself, you have to match it for your employees. So there are some parameters to be aware of, but there is a huge opportunity to um, really reduce your business's taxable income. And I want to be very clear when I say you're reducing your business's taxable income. So mm -hmm. let's go back to the sole proprietor for just a second. Imagine you made $100,000 and you have about $30,000 in expenses. Well, another one of your expenses would be this contribution to the SEP IRA. And I want you to even think of your own personal salary, whatever you're bringing home, as just an expense to your business. So when you actually treat your business like a business and your business biggest expense is payroll, mm -hmm. you pay your salary, then your business has this other expense of a pension contribution and then whatever other expenses it has, like technology, if you're renting a building, all of those different things. You think about it in those terms and you're actually reducing your business's taxable income or revenues. That's step number one. So I'm going to kind of pause there. And I'm going to, Sarah, you can challenge anything you heard or add to anything you heard. or. Mm -hmm. But I want that to kind of sink in. This is a business expense. Sure. And, you know, what's interesting is a lot of this is new for me too, Nino, right? Like, uh, so... Um, I'm sitting here learning and taking notes, um, hopefully just like a lot of our listeners are, because this is something new that I'm just now looking into, um, because I found that this is an area that's important to me in my business, right? And you know what? I, I don't, um, how do I say this? I don't like paying a ton of taxes. So if I can reduce my taxable income... <laughs> Then I'm all yep. about like teach me, right? Teach me. And so this is yeah. very, very interesting. And you know, dare I say, maybe something that's overlooked by a lot of people. Um, and so yeah. this is a really great area to, you know, research. You know, take some time and to research, and I'm certainly going to be doing that myself. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it's completely overlooked. And I uh, you know, I'll admit this is not something that I knew about when I first started coaching. And so it's something that I've learned along the way, but along the way, I've been able to help a lot of my clients who are either small business owners or have some type of side hustle where they're a 1099 contractor, find new opportunities to reduce that taxable income. So a few moments ago, I said, that's just kind of the first step though. Okay. There's a second step to all of this. And, and it's that, if you look at your your payroll, let's let's actually just call your business's payroll payroll. Even if it's just your one person's salary, that salary is an expense. Like I said, this this SEP IRA contribution is an expense, and it it drives down your business's taxable income. Now let's flip it over to the personal income side of things. So now you have this money coming home, and although you cannot contribute to the SEP IRA, you can contribute to a traditional IRA. So now with uh, 2021 limits being $6,000, you could have driven your own personal tax liability down by $6,000 for an individual. And if you're married like me with a spouse who doesn't work outside the home, I'm also allowed to contribute $6,000 to her traditional IRA. So I actually took our personal income and and um, decreased the taxable our taxable uh, liability by $12,000. So not only was I able to contribute to my to my own retirement through the business. So the business made a contribution to my retirement. Mm -hmm. I was then able to make personal contributions to my retirement. And all of this saved me tens of thousands of taxable dollars. Incredible. Tens of thousands. It's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I'm glad yeah. that we're having this conversation because... Um, you know, 
not being certainly not tax professionals. I'm not an investment professional either. Um, and so I'm still learning a lot of this stuff. You know, I think there's there's always a lot to learn and, you know, depending on where we're at in our journey, right, and what we're focusing on. But this is something now that's coming more because I'm in a new season of life, right, being, um, being debt-free now. And mm-hmm. it allows us to maybe contribute more to our retirement or, you know, some other accounts and being a business owner. Gosh, what a great way to reduce that taxable income. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm doing more, dare I say, I'm more in control of, you know, how I want to use my dollars, right? It's really allowing yeah. me and everybody else, right? It allows us the ability to to be more in control of our own dollars and use them the way that that is important to us. Because when they're going yeah. to the government, you know, this isn't anti-government, but this isn't an anti-government speech, but you know, when it goes to the government, they do with it what they want, right? And this allows us to use our dollars in a way that's really important to us that benefits us the most. So all yeah. these little tips and tricks and things to research and look into, super beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I could not agree more. You know, it's about, you know, like I said at the top, it's your money. And instead of mm-hmm. letting that money just kind of slip away to the government who is notoriously great at, you know, managing money, <laughs> right? Um, right. Instead of letting them and and instead of letting them benefit, right? Like if they take your money, turn around and make 10, 15 or 20 percent on it. Well, they've made money this mm-hmm. way. You could be contributing it to something that allows you to make money. Now, I do want to also mention, though, when you open up an IRA, you can put all of the money that you're initially kind of investing into what they call a cash settlement account. And it's just basically like a savings account waiting for those dollars to be invested if you want to. So if you're thinking, there's no way I'm going to put all this money into the market or whatever, you don't even have to. You just put it into an account that you can then invest it into the market when you're ready. But even once it hits that account and it has that tax shelter of being called a SEP IRA or a traditional IRA, you're not going to be taxed on that money in the, in the year that you made those contributions. So even if you just put it in the settlement account, it at least protects you um, from that money being taxed. And, and think about this for just a moment, really. Like, let's say you have $100,000 income, you put $25,000 away in the SEP IRA, and then you do an additional $6,000 uh, into a traditional IRA. We're talking about $31,000. What is 25% of that? If, if, if that was all considered income and it was just going to be taxed at 25%, I, I mean, I have to bring out my calculator, but that's $7,750 extra dollars that you would owe in taxes. Mm. So you've reduced your tax bill. In, in that scenario, $100,000, putting $25,000 away, right. an extra $6,000 away, you've essentially reduced your tax bill by almost $8,000. Wow. And I don't know about you, but I would love to hold on to an additional 7750 bucks. Well, and, you know, we don't necessarily need to go into what that actually translates in compound interest over the years of, right? It's <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, we could, that's for maybe a different episode and talking how, but when you, when you even use some of the free calculators, I mean, any of our listeners could go on and find a free calculator to, to see what that actually would do over the years for you, right? Even over the next 10 mm-hmm. years on, on, um, the benefit that you are directly receiving because of that, you and mm-hmm. your family and your business and everything, right? It's, you know, dare I say it's a win-win for us. Um, yeah. All the way around, right? It really is. All right. So if you're, if you're listening and you're like, okay, where do I go? What do I do? Remember, just, uh, just Google SEP IRA and that'll t- that'll start to take you t- down the road of um, more information about how that works and where you can set one of those up. You can set one of those up with most most financial institutions. 
Um, I'm not here to promote any one over the other, but you can you can look at the vanguards of the world, the fidelities of the world, the Charles Schwab's of the world, and each of these types of places are going to um, have these SEP IRAs that you can establish. So Google it, start to learn more about it, and and maybe start to take steps towards establishing a SEP IRA if you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, uh, a sole proprietor, um, and if. If you're not going to do the SEP IRA, or maybe you're listening and you're like, I don't own my own business. Well, you can still be contributing to a traditional IRA, in, even in addition to any 401k contributions that you might be doing mm -hmm. with your employer. So it, th this was really like, we started kind of focusing on taxes. We've kind of delved a little bit into like retirement planning, but it's just, it's just one of those ways to really reduce that taxable income. Mm -hmm. I want to shift gears a little bit, though, and I want to talk about after, like, now that you've settled your your taxable income, and now it is being taxed. What, whatever you've decided, you, you've opened up the SEP IRA, you haven't, whatever. Now let's talk about your actual taxable income. Let's talk about what's happening throughout the course of the year. What's happening, you know, every February to to April of the following year, and let's talk about how we can gain more control over our dollars mm -hmm. in in that that period of time. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to all of our listeners out there for a moment who are getting significantly large tax refunds. I want to remind you that this was your money that you sent off to the government and all they're doing is returning what was rightfully yours to begin with. Mm -hmm. So if you get a 2000 $4,000, $6,000 or more refund every year, I really want to encourage you to start thinking about the fact that you just sent $6,000 outside of the house throughout the course of the year that um, could have been coming home and, and doing whatever you needed it to do um, in the house. That was a long-winded way really to get quick? to this. Yeah, well, I was please. just going to say, I mean, that's $500 a month. That's $500 a month. So I just want people to think, you know, sometimes we, you know, we're not breaking it down. You know, we're looking maybe big picture, you know, year 6,000. But when you break that down, $500 a month in your budget that you can be using now. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm so glad you went there because exactly like so often and especially in in a time like now, you know, it's it's April 2022. We're experiencing, you know, some uh, some cost of living increases. Right. Gas prices are up. You know, going to the grocery store costs us more money now. Um I'm in the greater Phoenix area and the real estate in this area has just gotten to be absolutely insane. Rentals, purchases, all of it. So sometimes you're talking to clients and they're like, you know, I'm barely making ends meet. And then you come to learn that they're getting a $6,000 tax refund each year. And it's like, do you want a quick and easy way to give yourself a $500 a month yeah. raise? Because... I can tell you right now, if we adjusted your tax withholdings, mm -hmm. then we could get you more money coming in the door every single month. And it's just one of those things that is usually like a, oh, what? like I, I didn't even think of it that way. And so that mm -hmm. aha moment occurs. Well, I think we're not really told that we can make those adjustments, right? We're just told here, fill this out right. when you get hired. Fill this form out and, you know, they've changed those. The The IRS has made some adjustments to those, um, you know, to our W-4s, but in the past couple years. So and sometimes they can be a little bit tricky, right, to, to fill out. And nobody really tells us that we, mm -hmm. you have the ability to make changes to those um, anytime you want. Throughout the course of the year. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it exactly. doesn't have to be just at the beginning or just one time. Now, I would not recommend or encourage people to make those adjustments all the time, right? But you do have the ability to make adjustments based on what your goals are. And, and you know, especially after you've uh, filed your taxes and you 
are noticing the trend of getting those larger tax return year after year refund, those large tax refunds <laughs> year after year after year, right? Then um, you have the ability to go in and, and make adjustments to your withholdings. Yes. Yes. And so I want to remind our listeners, we're not tax professionals and we're not giving mm -hmm. you tax advice. We're not saying go out and change your W-4 elections tomorrow, but we are saying look into it. Look into mm -hmm. it. Here, I remember when I first started working, and this is probably similar for everybody, you were always told to like, when, when you're single and you don't have a family yet, everybody kind of tells you like, Claim zero, because that way they'll take out the most in taxes, and that will most likely result in a tax refund at the end of the year. And because nobody wants to pay taxes at the end of the year, everybody kind of jumps on board with that. But then as things evolve, and maybe you get married, and, and maybe then you have some children, you, you maybe make some adjustments. But I know that by the time I was married and had two kids, I was claiming for allowances. Now, we're going to go back to vocabulary for just a second. Allowances are different than dependents when it comes to your W-4 tax form. Mm -hmm. But I had me, my wife, the two kids. So I was claiming four and I was getting taxes taken out based on that. And I was still getting large tax refunds every year. Well, come to learn many, many years later that you can claim more allowances on your W-4, adjust it, and it, it doesn't, again, allowances are not the same as dependents. Those two things have nothing to do with each other. So mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, well, I have four dependents, so I should claim four allowances. No, it's you claim the number of allowances that are appropriate. Well, the IRS has a tool. You can go to the irs.gov, and you can do an allowance or tax withholding calculator and it's going to take all sorts of information about what your pay is, how much you've gotten paid year to date, how much you've paid in taxes year to date. And it's going to say, based off of this information, here's how many allowances you can claim. The first year I did this, and because it was so late in the year, the number was high. So I'm not, please do not hear this as like, go out and change your allowances to this number. Mm -hmm. But because of where I was, it said, you can adjust this to take nine allowances. So I took oh. nine. My The taxes being taken out of my biweekly paycheck went way, way down. And at the end of the year when I filed, I still got a $400 refund just because of the timing of the year and everywhere where I was at. So yeah. I still got a refund, but it was much smaller than what I was used to. Mm -hmm. But that meant I was bringing more money home every two weeks. Sure. Well, and, and you know, just as a maybe a little bit of a side note, um, the IRS has adjusted those W-4s. So they do not, they've changed the language even in the, the last couple of recent years on, you know, those allowances and everything. So I definitely would say, you know, if, if people are looking at it, go to the IRS website and download the form and there's instructions on how to do, you know, some calculations. Um, and, you know, again, it's just, it's arming yourself with knowledge, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's looking at the tools that are available to all of us to see what do we need to put into our toolbox so we're using our money the best way possible, right? We work too hard to be sending money out. In my opinion, we worked we work far too hard to send money out to wait for somebody else to return it to us, um, you know, to refund mm -hmm. it to us, um, you know, the next year. So, you know, Nino, I think we're really big in just giving people tools to use, right? And and when you're filling up your toolbox, I think the IRS website is a really good tool to use when looking at what your allowances are, right? Don't, I, I would, I want to encourage people to not just fill out the form and turn it back in without fully understanding it. Because you really have 100%. an opportunity, right, to, to learn more of what it means for you and your family. And that's really what it's about is what does this actually mean for you and your family when you're filling this form out? And so spend a few minutes. Right? It's not that long. And if you have questions, then be asking those questions of the right people. 
Um, you know, so you know that you're filling these forms out because really what it comes down to is again, your money coming into your household and you being able to use it the best way possible. Um, and not waiting to get it refunded to you at the end of the year. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, very, very important point about really understanding what you're doing. Cause I, like I've walked through kind of this W4 adjustment for allowances with, with a, a ton of different clients and almost every single one of them, whatever the number the IRS spit back out, in my case, it was nine. People are like, okay, right now I'm claiming four. They're saying nine. I'll move it to like six or seven, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to move it all the way to wherever they're kind of suggesting, but you can mm -hmm. start to move it so that you get some of that money back every month and you sure. uh, you send less and less of it to the IRS. Um, on the flip side, anybody who might owe the IRS every single mm -hmm. year, I would encourage you to also look at your W-4 and maybe claiming fewer allowances. Mm -hmm. You know, it, if you're claiming four or five, maybe it's time to go down to two or zero so that you're taking more taxes out every single month so that you don't owe at the end of the year. And this is all going to be predicated on personal preference, right? Mm -hmm. We're big about meeting our clients where they are. So if, if you're fine writing the check at the end of the year and that's just how you do things and it works for you, great. If you're listening to this because you want to create new money habits because whatever you've been doing up to this point isn't working for you and you don't like the way it feels, well, then whether you get a refund or you have to pay at the end of the year, in both cases, you can be looking at the W-4 and looking to adjust it either up if you're getting a refund or mm -hmm. adjusting it down if you owe every year. Yeah, I love it. And, and also recognizing what you know, how all of it makes you feel, you know, I'm really big into our emotions with our money. And, you know, if, if you're doing something and it just doesn't feel right to you, then you need to be listening to that, right? There's a reason why it just doesn't feel right. So research that, right? Dig a little bit deeper. What, what doesn't feel right about this? And that's where, again, it comes into asking questions, reaching out to the right types of people that have the knowledge that can answer your questions for you. Um, and that's really important is reaching out to the right people, the professionals that can help you walk through some of these situations, um, because there's a lot to learn. You know, this is um, I am learning every single day um, and have been for a long time and plan on it right um, in the future. And so, um, you know, and I just helped my son, file, you know, do do his tax return this weekend, you know, and, and walking him through some questions that he had. And, you know, um, dare I say he owed a little bit of money, not, not a significant amount at all. He, he was frustrated with it, but I said, you know what, buddy, that's such a small <laughs> amount that, um, you know, I hear your frustration, but you know what, this is going to be okay because I feel like you're right on target, you know, owing a little bit, getting a little bit back for him. He's right spot on. You know, there's there's not many areas that he could make adjustments in. And, and um, you know, I think that's true for, um, for us too. You know, just recognizing what feels good about, um, you know, where we're at. How does this feel? And if, if some of it's scary, you know, Nino, you had mentioned it. You know, if the calculator, you know, the IRS, if it's telling you to do something, you're not super comfortable with that, you have the ability to make a smaller adjustment, right? Do exactly. listen to what your body's really telling you and, and um, you know, kind of go with that gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Very important to, uh, to do only take action when you are comfortable and when you understand what you're taking action on. Yes. So, um, so often I, you know, I, I tell clients don't invest in something that you don't truly understand. Um, even sitting down, with my own parents and, and, you know, they're nearing retirement age and having conversations about like what to do versus what not to do. And it's like, look, don't do anything that you don't completely understand what it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I would, that's the advice here 
You know, Absolutely. don't make any adjustments until you feel comfortable and you really understand kind of the impact of what that's going to make. And then keep tabs on things. I think everything we're about is being in control of your money, having a plan, you know, looking over that plan from time to time, adjusting that plan when needed. So, um, as I said earlier, I was so late in the year that when I adjusted up to nine allowances, I had to quick, fast, and in a hurry the next year recalculate for the entire year because when when more than half the year's already gone by, you've probably paid way more in taxes than like you were on a schedule to pay way more in taxes than you needed. So of course my number went way up. Well, after going back to it, I think it came back down to like five or six. So had I kept it at nine allowances, I would have certainly owed uh, the mm -hmm. IRS money the following year. So it's mm -hmm. also about once you do make an adjustment, really tracking how that's unfolding and making other adjustments as needed in the future. Sure. Looking ahead, you know, that future, that's the important word there, right? Is looking ahead. We say it when we're putting our budget together, we're writing our plan, right? It's all about looking into the future and what do we need to be planning for? And this is no different. This is no different. Right. Mm -hmm. So speaking of plans, I got a question for you. We've talked a little bit about how, how entrepreneurs and even, you know, um, regular W and two employees can reduce their taxable income. We've talked a little bit about um, making adjustments to the amount that you're paying throughout the year so that you either reduce a large refund to bring money home or uh, pay a little bit more so that you don't have to pay at the end of the year. But what do you do when you do get one of these refunds, <laughs> 400, 1200, you know, $6,000 refunds. Mm -hmm. What then, Sarah? You buy a new car. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just come on. on. I... Don't, don't you hear all the yep. commercials on TV, you know, that say, you know, use your tax refund to buy a new TV or to buy, you know, we get bombarded. And I bring this oh, up yes. because we're bombarded with, um, you know, advertising, right? Telling us how to use our, our dollars, right? Use your, bring your checks in and we're going to double that or we're going to give you, you know, extra money. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if that's what is important to you, you know, I'm really big in doing what's important to you, but I believe there's a certain kind of some certain steps, some, some places, you know, priority, ch a priority checklist, so to speak, right? And I kind of go down this, um, we have not received a refund in a couple of years and, you know, that's okay. Um, but, you know, even with my clients, we kind of go through this, this checklist of, you know what, if you're behind on your bills, I kind of recommend that you get caught up on those bills first, right? Because that's going to make the biggest impact for you is get your bills caught up during the month. Now, let me bring that back just a little bit that you need to have your budget, you need to have your plan in place. So you know, right, you really know where your dollars are going. What are you behind in? Where are you short? You know, so you need to have that. I'm, I'm going to put the assumption out here that our readers have, you know, they've been our readers, listeners, um, <laughs> <laughs> right, that, that you've been putting your budget together, your plan, right? So I'm going to assume that you have that. But um, if you don't mm -hmm. do that step first, you know, because then you get a good clear picture of really where you're at and where you're behind. But I would say use, um, start with getting your bills caught up on if you're behind. Um, and I go right to, you know, building that starter peace of mind fund. You know, um, mm. we know, we know that Murphy guy is going to show up. It's just a matter of when, and we need to be prepared for him. Um, so after my bills are caught up, then I want to get that emergent, um, that starter peace of mind fund. So either get it funded to where I want my balance to be or start it. Um, mm -hmm. And then personally, I kind of look at a couple of other things, you know, after those two, um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what you do, but I look at, you know, where am I at in my debt snowball? Is there something I've been working real hard on, you know, that, that the money that I've got, you know, can I get a, a couple of those on um, debts? Can I get them paid off? Can I get those knocked off my list? Or 
Um, you know, sometimes I also believe it's important to look at our sinking funds because, you know, we talk a lot about what's important to us and maybe getting all the debt paid off, you know, all of our consumer debt. Maybe that's not the top of our priority list right now. Maybe we've got something else coming up. Um, and so I look at what, what sinking funds, you know, I think you've mentioned, you know, that, that you guys, um, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys chose to, to put a nice backyard in a pool in your yard because that was really yes. important to you, you know? And I, I think that that's no different when we get a tax refund. If we know that we're working on something, I've got some clients that want to redo their backyard, right? And because they plan on spending a lot of time mm -hmm. there, they're not planning on taking vacations. It's important to them to put some money into that. And so, you know, we, we walk through the scenarios, but look at some of those, those uh, sinking funds, right? That, that you've put in place and what's really important to you. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I think if early on in my, in, in my coaching career, I, I was really a stickler for like, let's put all of that stuff on the back burner until we clean up the mess we already made, right? If, if you're in debt, it means you spent money when you didn't have it. You already took a vacation that you're still paying off or whatever. And over the years, um, in an effort to meet my clients where they are, mm -hmm. I've, I've realized that you can do what you're suggesting. And that is, if you're behind on your bills, that it, that's got to be step number one. Because mm -hmm. what you don't want to have happen is you don't want the water to stop, stop running. You don't want the electricity to be shut off. You don't want to be kicked out of your apartment or your home. Like, mm -hmm. like You don't want those things to happen. So definitely start there. But then to your point, it's where, what's, what else is going on in my financial plan and where are my priorities? Is, mm -hmm. is my peace of mind fund in a good place? Um, do I have some sinking funds that I'm trying to, to fund, whether it's put in a backyard or take a trip? Because um, like sometimes I think, too, I remember back a, a number of years ago now, uh, my youngest sibling graduated college and 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 my mother had asked if I could bring the family uh you know three three thousand miles uh northeast and I was kind of right in the middle of my debt snowball and I'm like mm. no but then I was like wait yes because when are you gonna get some of these opportunities mm -hmm. again so when I say take a trip you know I, I fear that some people might hear that like, okay, I get to take a family trip every year. Mm -hmm. Is that really necessary? I, if it is, it is. But in this case, it was, we hadn't taken trips in a long time. My, my mm -hmm. brother was graduating college. The kids had never been to New York. It was time to kind of bite the bullet and say, all right, I'm going to set aside some money for this. Um, and so, you can do that. I guess that was a long-winded way of just saying you get to prioritize. Mm -hmm. You get to say all we ever encourage our listeners to do is just have a plan. Mm -hmm. Have a plan for that money. And I'll say this one other thing about like large tax refunds and then I'll or any any large Cat, like money windfall period it, i mean it could be a bonus at work it could be whatever mm -hmm. well let's say you got an extra thousand dollars coming in okay we as human beings i've seen this time and time again with my clients with myself just it's evident everywhere we hear one thousand dollars and we're like oh i've been wanting the, to 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 do this thing and that's going to be you know 250 dollars and oh i want to do this mm -hmm. other thing and it's going to be 400 dollars and oh i need to do this other thing and we have like five things in our head each of those five things is less than 1000 mm dollars -hmm. but together they're like 3 grand <laughs> and we think we're going to do it all mm -hmm. because we haven't sat down long enough to just put it on paper you know put the thing its dollar amount and then just List it in the order of this is the thing we're going to do first. This is mm -hmm. the thing we're going to do second. And so we find ourselves spending through that $1,000 quick, fast, and in a hurry. And sometimes we spend it multiple times. Mm -hmm. 
And then we get disappointed, right? And then we're frustrated because, mm. um, you know, I, I've been calling it writing mini budgets lately. You know, I've had a lot of my clients actually say, <laughs> I like that. you know, I tell them, you know, write a mini budget, right? So write a mini budget for if you have already, you know, filed your, your returns and you're expecting a refund, then write a mini budget, right? So you're putting it down and then you can look at all the things that you want to do. And then you make a list of what are the priorities and all of that, right? And then you have a very clear picture in your head of how those dollars are going to be used. You're giving them a name. And so when that money does hit your account, you are prepared for it. You haven't spent it before it got here. You know exactly how you're going to use it and you're feeling good because you're it's, it's all in alignment, right? You took the time to plan it out, which quite, you know, how long does it take? 10 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe, right? Yeah. To look, we're not talking hours. Yeah. You know, it's just a few minutes here and there to put that plan in place, write a mini budget. Yeah, I love that idea because it, it can be used for so many like different applications. Uh, I think we've talked about in the past, like holiday budgeting, same thing. It's kind of like a mm -hmm. mini budget. It's in addition to your standard, mm -hmm. you know, paycheck to paycheck. I'm, I'm mapping all of that out. But when I have these other things that I'm trying to do, putting it down on paper, just having a plan, that plan can look any way you want it to. Mm -hmm. All we encourage you to do is have a plan. Right. <laughs> it gets, and it becomes so much more easier to execute. Well, and when you do that again, you're telling your dollars what's important to you, right? You're keeping true to yourself in recognizing what it is that you're going through this process for, right? What changes you wanted to create these new habits, right? And so in doing so, then it's these little steps, these little pieces in every aspect of our lives that we are following through with it because you can't create a new habit and, and do it only once. It really has to be followed through in, in that whole execution, you know, that we kind of talked about last time is the execution of the budget. You know, I really feel this is no different, right? You're here, you're here because you want to create mm -hmm. these new money habits. Well, in doing that, then don't allow yourself to get sidetracked and to say, I deserve to spend this money however I want. I, I encourage you to write it down and use it, spend it the way that is important to you, but don't do it mindlessly. Mm -hmm. Right. There it is, right? It's just about intentionality, mm -hmm. doing these things intentionally so that you're in control. And, and, and control means, like, if you have some money coming in and you want to take a family trip, that's great. Just put it down on paper. Mm -hmm. right? Put it down on paper. Be honest with yourself. One of the things that used to drive my, me nuts personally, and then I saw it and I was able to head it off with clients is I would tell myself that this trip. So I, I met my wife in Las Vegas. We're here in Phoenix. So that's only like a four or five hour car ride. So mm -hmm. trips to Vegas are, are very easy to take. But I used to tell myself, oh, you know, we're going to be there like three nights. It's going to be like $1,000. Well, what I was really calculating are the three nights at the hotel, you know, if I was renting a car or gas to get up there or whatever, I wasn't really accounting for like we had to eat and we were probably <laughs> going to go out and like... None of that was so. You tell yourself it's a thousand dollars. You get mm -hmm. home and you realize you spent fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred dollars, and then you're frustrated with yourself because you feel like, well, I overspent. Well, mm -hmm. first of all, you never sat down to actually like write it out long enough to know what was realistic mm -hmm. to to spend. And so, ever since changing that up and being more deliberate, like that that trip to New York that I took with the family. I think we budgeted, I want to say like $4,000. I mean, I guess the amount doesn't really matter. But, but what was cool is when we came home and I realized we only spent $3,500. Mm -hmm. That had never happened. Like, that doesn't happen. No. 
You're giving yourself permission to spend though, right? You, you've really given yourself permission to spend in the areas that are important to you. And, you know, you know, I, I've shared, you know, we're full-time RVers now and I actually write a budget for every place that we're going. How much do we anticipate spending, right? What are we going to fuel and, and food and, you know, um, um, places to stay, right? So, it's no different than writing your your monthly budget, I don't believe, in that you're, again, you're deciding how it is that you want to use your dollars, right? And sometimes I make it a little bit of a game with myself and to say, I want to have a good time, but let me see if I can maybe, where can I save a little bit? You know, where can I cut back on my grocery bill just a little bit, right? Do I really want to eat at this restaurant mm -hmm. or do I want to pick something else that, that sounds better, right? That So I think it's just a matter of, you know, challenging yourself, but following through with on those habits that you want to create, because this isn't just a meantime thing. This is really for the lifetime. I believe in creating these habits for your lifetime. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I think this, I think this episode has been kind of chock full of great <laughs> information and, and whatnot, but I'm telling you, if you're still here, I, I really, you're going to get another great nugget right before we wrap things up. And that is based off of everything that Sarah just said about putting things down on paper and giving yourself permission. When you do a budget, then when you're spending, you're doing it guilt free. Yes. And when's the last time you spent money mm -hmm. guilt free? So. If you have hung out this long, you you just got the mother of all stress relievers. <laughs> you get to spend your money without feeling guilty. Right. Um, and it's all by just putting it down on paper, having a plan, and then going and executing that plan. Mm -hmm. Sarah, thank you for another great episode and just uh, another great conversation where we are tackling the taboo of personal finances. I really appreciate all of your contributions. Well, well, thank you. And, you know, I appreciate your knowledge because I learned a lot, uh, especially from this episode. So thank you. I always enjoy being here. You know, if I can't learn something, I'd like to be able to share something. And um, thankfully, I get to do both um, with you each week. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. It's always great having you. I want to remind all of our listeners, if you're looking for some tools that will help you to create a plan and then go and execute that plan, remember that you can visit our website, newmoneyhabits.com. There is a button right when you hit the landing page that says helpful tools. There are all sorts of calculators to help you determine your food budget, your holiday budget, how much you should be spending on rent or mortgage, um, as well as our budgeting worksheet that helps you to break everything down by pay period instead of just the month. Uh, we swear by it. We think it's great. Uh, and we think that you will think it's great. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us again. Uh, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We look forward to continuing the conversation next time. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our hosts by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.